Hello and welcome to the podcast edition of Scripps 5 Must Know Things. This edition for the Business Week ended 25th August 2023. This is Ian Haydock. This time, Roche's Tidget Data Leak, Regeneron gets important US approvals, COVID subvariant vaccine progress, Pfizer's RSV vaccine extended approval, and Japan recommends Lacanimab for Alzheimer's. Expectations of success for Roche's Tidget cancer candidate, Tirogolimab, had been ebbing away in the analyst community, but have been fired up again after an accidental leak of Phase 3 interim data. Andrew McConaughey writes that Evercore ISI analyst Uma Rafat put out an investor note on 22nd August, revealing that he had stumbled upon a presentation on Roche's website which included a second interim data analysis from the Phase 3 Skyscraper 1 study and showed encouraging interim overall survival data. Roche said the following day that the presentation was an inadvertent disclosure and has now removed it from public access, but confirmed that the data were genuine. Skyscraper 1 combines tirogolumab with Roche's PD-L1 inhibitor to centric in first-line treatment of non-small cell lung cancer. While the leaked second interim analysis data were not mature, they nevertheless showed median OS estimates of 22.9 months in the tirogolumab plus tocentric arm versus 16.7 months in the tocentric monotherapy arm. This yielded a hazard ratio of 0.81, showing that the drug fell short of clearly proving it can extend patients' lives when combined with a PD-L1, but could cross that line as the data matures. Contacted by Scrip, a Roche spokesperson said that the original presentation of these data had been developed to share with a steering committee for another tirogolumab phase 3 study, but had not intended to be disclosed publicly. The spokesperson said an investigation into the root cause of the leak was ongoing. The company confirmed the study had not crossed the pre-specified statistical boundary for OS at the second interim analysis and therefore it had decided to await the final OS analysis to publish the data. Skyscraper 01 data will be presented following the final analysis readout, which the company now expects to occur in Q4 2023 or Q1 2024. The data represent a turnaround after the disappointment of the study's first interim readout in May 2022, when the combination failed to reach its progression-free survival co-primary endpoint. However, Roche said that Skyscraper 1 had been statistically powered to deliver a clear OS readout rather than PFS, and therefore the reversal of fortune is not entirely surprising. Nevertheless, not all analysts are convinced that Skyscraper 1 can deliver final data showing it can make a meaningful difference to patients, and therefore challenge Merkin Co.'s key Truder, the standard of care in first-line NSCLC, and many other tumour types. In hours of US FDA approval of Viopos for an ultra-rare hereditary disease, Regeneron Pharmaceuticals delivered on its recent promise that the delayed FDA approval of high-dose ILEA would come sooner rather than later. Viopos and Aflibercept 8mg were approved on 18th August since the FDA's inspections under the Pacelimab Biologics Licence application apparently cleared up the agency's lingering questions about the contract manufacturer. 
Mandy Jackson writes Viopods was cleared to treat adult and paediatric patients one year of age and older with complement hyperactivation, angiopathic thrombosis and protein-losing enteropathy disease, also known as CD55-deficient protein-losing enteropathy. Regeneron said that with the approval of Viopods, the pre-approval inspection issues related to a Flebicept 8mg have been addressed, so it expected the agency to act on high-dose ILEA within the next few weeks. But the approval for wet age-related macular degeneration, diabetic macular edema and diabetic retinopathy was announced later the same day. Flebicept 8mg is a key product approval for Regeneron as the company battles in the wet AMD and DME space with new competition from Roche's Verbismo and as the company anticipates US biosimilars of low-dose ILEA in 2024. However, the FDA issued a complete response letter on the original action date for the Flebicept 8mg BLA based on inspection findings at the fill finish site for the product. Viopos is a fully human monoclonal antibody that blocks complement factor C5, a protein involved in complement system activation. Chapel disease is caused by mutations in the CD55 gene that lead to overactivation of the complement system, which then attacks normal cells, causing damage to blood and lymph vessels along the upper digestive tract, resulting in loss of circulating proteins. Fewer than 10 patients have been identified in the US, Regeneron said. The company told Scrip that Viopos will become available for those patients soon, within the third quarter of 2023. The company is investigating Viopos in additional complement-mediated diseases in combination with Alnylam Pharmaceuticals' siRNA-C5 inhibitor Semdesiran, including for paroxysmal nocturnal haemoglobinuria and myasthenia gravis. The World Health Organization declared an end to COVID-19 as a public health emergency in May, but it warned at the time that the virus was still causing deaths and still mutating, and the emergence of the latest subvariants in the Omicron variant of SARS-CoV-2 has triggered new vaccine activity. The major producers of COVID-19 vaccines, Pfizer and BioNTech, Moderna and Novavax, are gearing up to make their vaccines against the new subvariants available by the fall after a long trend of falling vaccine sales. The latest is Novavax, which said on 22nd August that its 2023-24 season COVID vaccine-induced neutralising responses to emerging subvariants EG51, XBB1166, XBB116, XBB15 and XBB23, and that the company was in the process of submitting for authorisation from regulatory bodies around the world. The company has said in June that it was preparing multiple candidates to ensure its vaccine would be available in the fall, Alaric Diamond writes. Moderna said on 17th August that trial data confirmed its updated vaccine generated robust immune response against the ED5 and FL151 subvariants and the XBB strains more broadly, adding that it had submitted the updated vaccine to the FDA, EMA and other regulatory agencies. Pfizer and BioNTech likewise said on 23rd June that they had filed for authorization with the FDA and EMA for their vaccine. On Novavax's second quarter earnings call on 8th August, Chief Commercial Officer John Trizzino said that based on the company's own analysis, as well as overall consensus, the demand in the US for COVID-19 vaccines in the fall 
would range from 80 million to 100 million doses. That's roughly in line with what Moderna forecasts as well, 50 million to 100 million doses, but modest versus previous figures during the pandemic. Novavax was a latecomer to the COVID-19 vaccine scene, facing regulatory setbacks that resulted in it coming in behind Pfizer-BioNTech and Moderna, which had already largely cornered the market and become major revenue generators. In terms of emerging subvariants, Novavax said it expected its vaccine would be effective at preventing the FL151 strain, given that it had shown efficacy against XBB1166, which shares two of the same mutations with FL151, but the firm will conduct tests to demonstrate that. Pfizer's respiratory syncytial virus, or RSV vaccine, a Brisvo, was approved by the US FDA to be administered to pregnant women to protect infants at birth, a first for vaccine development. A Brisvo had already been approved by the FDA for older adults in May and recommended for use by the Centers for Disease Control's Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices in those patients, along with GSK's competing vaccine, Orexv. Jessica Mell writes that a vaccine administered to pregnant women to protect an infant at birth breaks new ground, however, with Abrisvo being the first maternal vaccine for RSV to be approved. Abrisvo is indicated to help protect infants at birth through six months when their immune systems are not fully developed from lower respiratory tract disease and severe LRTD due to RSV and is to be administered to expecting mothers at 32 through 36 weeks of pregnancy. While there are no other RSV vaccines approved for infants, Sanofi and AstraZeneca secured FDA approval for an antibody against RSV, Bayfortis, for the prevention of RSV in infants in July. The approval could also give Pfizer a commercial edge in the budding RSV vaccine market against rival GSK with the only vaccine that can be administered across the two populations. GSK had also sought to develop a maternal RSV vaccine but discontinued a Phase 3 programme last year due to a safety issue. It appears unlikely Orexv will ever be used in infants, given that the FDA waived any paediatric study requirements for the vaccine in children because it could be unsafe due to increased risk of enhanced respiratory disease. The infant market is substantial, and awareness of RSV has grown recently, powered partly by the COVID-19 pandemic and widespread outbreaks of RSV in recent years. Roughly 500,000 to 600,000 infants experience LRTD due to RSV each year and it's a leading cause of hospitalisation in children less than one year. Brisvo is also expected to be one of Pfizer's key near-term growth drivers. The company has forecast a bump in revenue later in the year, stemming from vaccine uptake, but Pfizer also tempered some of its enthusiasm in its second quarter sales and earnings report, based on the CDC's decision to recommend a Brisvo on the basis of shared clinical decision-making, rather than a routine vaccination in older adults. Finally, an advisory committee to Japan's Ministry of Health, Labour and Welfare has agreed on a positive approval recommendation for Azai and Biogen's Lakembi for the treatment of early Alzheimer's disease. Although the amyloid beta-targeting antibody, the first in its class in Japan, still requires a formal final official approval from the ministry once the committee decides to support approval of a drug granted priority review, this should normally come within a month or so as a formality. 
Eizai has said it expects a Japanese full approval in September. Lisa Takagi writes that a reimbursement price under Japan's National Health Insurance Scheme will thereafter need to be discussed and agreed, which in usual circumstances is announced within around two months after the formal approval, meaning a likely price listing, which would allow nationwide launch around late November. The pricing process and how the price will compare with the US will now be closely watched. Eizai filed for the approval of Lekanimab in Japan on 16th January this year and was soon granted a priority review. Eizai and Biogen agreed in 2014 to co-promote the drug in Japan as well as in the US and Europe as part of their global alliance for the product and Biogen's Japanese subsidiary confirmed to script the two firms will jointly commercialise it in the country. The Alzheimer's population in Japan had surged over the last decade, along with one of the fastest ageing societies in the world. In 2020, around 794,000 people in the country were diagnosed with AD, according to the MHLW's patient survey, conducted every three years. In its fiscal Q1 results briefing, Eizai also anticipated approvals for Lecanimab in both the EU and China in the fourth quarter of its current financial year, which ends in March 31st, 2024. Elsewhere in Japan's AD sector, Eli Lilly is conducting an ongoing local phase 3 programme for its amyloid beta-targeting antibody, Donanimab, and has indicated plans to file for local approval by this December. That's all for this week. Many thanks as always for listening. These stories are linked in the article below and form just a fraction of Scripps' coverage last week. Log in to gain access to all of our content or take a free trial to see what you're missing. Bye for now.